0: You could turn to Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at a couple of, well, maybe one of the stories we look at today briefly won't be so familiar, but a couple of them will be pretty familiar passages for most of you. But I would ask you to really listen to what God's saying because I think this can be very powerful. I want to change the way we think about some things. So I'm going to talk to you today about fruit and your faith walk. Fruit and your faith walk, kind of like a moonwalk. You know, whenever I see Michael Jackson doing that moonwalk, I wish I could do it. A lot of times, it's like that when you see somebody that has a wow—they've got a really powerful faith walk. I wish I could do that. I wish I had that much faith to step out like him or her. We all know that we should be producing fruit. I mean, it comes up a lot. It comes up a lot in the Bible, and Jesus talked about it a lot, and we see it It's said in different ways. Like, but we know that we should be producing fruit. Paul tells us about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness. I don't know. I may have missed a couple. But we know as Christians that we're supposed to be producing fruit. We all want our lives to be fruitful. I don't think I would go up to any one of you and ask you, Hey, would you like your life to be fruitful or not? I, I don't think any of you are going to say, Nah, I don't really want a fruitful life. Hopefully not. I think we all want our lives to be fruitful. We all want to be blessed. right? We all want to live in the abundance and live in that place that God's called us to. But a lot of times we sit and wait. Uh, We're sitting and waiting. Hey, God, where is it? God, where's that dream? Hey, God, where's, when you gonna pile that fruit on me and we're just sitting and waiting and God's like, get up, walk. I told you where to go. I told you what direction to head. A lot of times, all we know is the next step. Well, when am I going to get to know the final destination? Not sure. But if you knew every step that you were going to take and you already knew the final destination, then it wouldn't take any kind of faith or trust or belief. You'd already have it all worked out. Why why would you need a relationship with God? And see, to God, it's not about your final destination and your purpose is going to finally, if you do what you're supposed to do, then it's going to finally do something for God it's about the relationship it's about the journey with his kids it's about walking through these things God says get up and move take a step trust faith obedience are proven with your walk they're not proven by you sitting there they're not proven by you doing nothing we're saved by grace, but James said, I'll show you my faith by my works. Like you can look at my life and see what I believe. Pastor Bruce says that obedience is a slow and steady walk in the same direction. Right? It's being faithful. It's that we keep pressing on. We keep doing what God's called us to do. We keep heading that same direction. If we fall down, we get back up. But we keep walking, we keep obeying, and we keep moving. So for somebody today, as I was praying and studying for this message, I, it's super simple, and we're right here at the start of it. But I feel like that was a word for somebody. Simply keep walking. Well, I don't know what to do now. I don't know what the future. I love. And God's word for you today is just keep walking. I keep stepping. Take that next step. I know you're hurting I know you got knocked down I, I know it's hard I know there's some stuff I know there's some confusion but but just keep walking so let's talk about fruit first and then, and then we'll talk about walk and we'll be done Mark 4 This is Jesus talking to a whole crowd of people. So the 12 disciples are there, but it's a big, giant crowd. And he taught them many things by parables, and he said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, or listen. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came, and they devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground. Where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up. The plants popped up. Because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and they choked it. And it yielded no fruit so we're talking about the same sower same seed is going on all different ground look at this last kind of ground in verse 8 and other fell on good ground and it did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and it brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some hundredfold and he said unto them he that hath ears to hear let him hear. You know, you can listen and not hear. And Jesus knew, like, everybody's not going to get this. But he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And then if you go on and read, in the interest of time, I won't read the rest of it. But if you keep reading on down the next few verses, like, the disciples are all, you know, they're around Jesus. Like, yeah, oh, that's deep, Yeah. Sower sows the seed, yeah. And as soon as they got Jesus alone and the crowds left, they said, "Hey, what do you mean by that? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, like we we don't know what you meant." And Jesus told them that the seed is the word. Okay, so Jesus had to like explain it to him, to the disciples, what he was talking about. He said, "Jesus told him the sower soweth the word." But just in that little story right there, we all say we want to have fruitful life. So if I want to see fruit in my life, Jesus just explained it to him in a parable, in a story. But according to Jesus, he just gave us three barriers to fruitfulness. Three things that will stop us from being fruitful, from, from having fruit in our life. And the first one I wrote down, just taken out of that, was a hard heart. If you come in like today, I'm, I'm sowing seed, right? I'm reading scripture and I'm saying the things that I believe God spoke to me to say to you. And so it's life and it's going out. But if you've got a hard heart and you're not receiving it, then you're not going to produce fruit. There's going to be no fruit produced in your life from these seeds that are going out right now. Because that's the hard ground. It's, it's a hard heart. You're not receiving. It's not been plowed up. It's just hardened seed is cheap there's, there's a lot of seed going out it was all the same seed what was the difference? the soil same seed one seed produced a hundred fold and one produced bird poop right because the first one the birds ate it up and that's what it okay hard heart can look all different ways all right, you can come in here and have a hard heart, and I mean, we like to think of just, oh, I could, like, he's got a hard heart. She, but it can look a lot of different ways. Same two people can come into church, and one can get something, and the other one can get nothing. Sometimes a hard heart looks like you sitting there when the seed's going out, you saying, "Man, I hope so and so hears this. They really need to hear it. I gotta get. I hope they share this. I hope they Jesse gets this thing posted quick so she can hear it." And then you don't receive what God's trying to say to you because you've hardened your heart and thought that's for someone else. But the reality is, when the seed's going forth, it can be for all of us, any one of us that's ready to receive it. But if we just start thinking it's for somebody else, then we don't receive the seed. That's, we have the hard heart. What about this kind of hard heart? Yeah, I hear you, God. I I heard that word from Pastor Dusty. I heard that word in the scripture, and and I'm going to do it tomorrow. When I get my finances straightened out, I'll start giving. When I have some more time, I'm going to start serving. Next year, I'm going to try to help with camp. You're not going to be fruitful if you're putting it off till tomorrow, till the next day because that's like the birds flying in and eating the seed and, and life will fly in and eat this moment and there'll be no fruit from it and tomorrow and the next day and the next week and years and you'll turn around and look and have an unfruitful life because you put off in this moment Receiving the seed. The second one is it was just shallow. Like he said that the plants, they popped up really quick. They looked good. But they had no roots. We're seen some people get excited. They get pumped up. Yeah, woo! I'm going to help out. I'm going to be at everything. And then psh, sun sizzled, dried up, no fruit, gone. Yeah, God told me I need to serve. I'm going to serve. Two weeks later, they call Rachel and quit the cleaning team. Right? You get pumped up. You get excited about something like I'm going to do this. God told me to do this. I'm excited. I'm pumped. up, And you pop up as this plant, and then it's like there weren't roots. There weren't deep roots to sustain the growth. You have to have roots to sustain growth. The first storm that comes along, it's going to blow you right over if you don't have any roots. So we don't want to be shallow. If we want to be fruitful, we can't have hard hearts and we can't be shallow because then we'll just burn out. We won't last. We're not steady. We're not faithful. We're not consistent. You know, people that just have no consistency, they're just not steady. You can't count on them. Yeah, man, I'll be there to help you with that. All right. You're making other phone calls to find somebody else because you know they may or may not. That's not what we want to look like. That's not a fruitful life. Third one, barriers to fruitfulness that Jesus gave us. It's just too crowded. Remember the one where the weeds all grew up, briars and thorns and weeds, and, and it didn't produce any fruit because it was just too crowded there was too many distractions and too many things choking it out just too much stuff It, it's weeds it's distraction it's junk it could be sin it's just all just too much there's not a focus on the seed or the life or the fruit you're so distracted by so many things good and bad things but it's just too crowded. You know, more stuff doesn't bring happiness. More things, more houses, more nicer vehicles, none of that brings happiness. That third one was just too crowded to produce fruit. There's a lot of growth there. There was even some deep roots there. but The roots were attached to things you don't want growing. None of the three have good roots. That's what they all had in common. None of them had good roots. None of them were planted. David said in Psalm 92, those that are planted in the house of God will flourish. Those that are planted. A bunch of people talking about their life. You know, I know a whole lot of people in my life that are pot plants. Right? They're plants in a pot so that anytime there's a storm or something hard they can just pick up my pot and go on somewhere else right and if this is bad i'm gonna go over there and i'll disappear i don't i don't have to connect my root system to anybody else's i don't have to plant roots i don't have to go deep i don't have to do my part i don't have to connect or fit in like i i'm just a pot plant but the problem is that pot plants never get very big Right? They they don't grow that big. You're never as powerful or fruitful. If I go take a little flower pot, right, and I plant an apple tree in it, I'm probably not getting a whole lot of fruit out of that apple tree. Even after years and years like I can water it and take care of it and move it out in the sunshine and stuff, but and if I do, it's probably not gonna be very impressive fruit coming off of that tree David said you want to flourish you need to be planted make a sacrifice get connected serve, give, be a part, get in relationship Like we, we hear it all the time get connected sign up to help with camp It's going to be a sacrifice to be in a relationship, but it's worth it. You were created for movement. And if you don't move, you get stagnant. Think about a little pool of water. There's no inflow and no outflow, and it just sits there and sits there. It becomes stagnant. It starts to stink. And it becomes a breeding ground. For mosquitoes and parasites and contamination and infection, but not fruit. See, fruit won't grow in a toxic environment. It won't. So yeah, it'll become a breeding ground, but not for the things you want to be growing in your life. Remember the two questions that we talked about before, like... What well are you drinking from? And who is drinking from your well? Do you have a good inflow and a good outflow? Both are needed to be healthy. Sometimes we pray, we need God to move. Well, God already moved. A lot of times he's just waiting on you. Jesus said, if you're connected to me, You'll produce fruit. If you're connected to me, you should be producing disciples. He said, If you're connected to me, then the works that I do shall you do, and greater, even more than what I've done. This is what Jesus said these things. There should be evidence. Look at um, John 15. John 15, verse 1, Jesus talking. I am the true vine. So if Jesus said he's the true vine, then that means there's some fake ones. Because they don't make a counterfeit to something that's not real. Right? So Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Don't get connected to one of these fake vines. One of these things that you're taught or you think will give you life. Success or fame or money or stuff or there's all kind of fake vines that you think will give you happiness and give you life and produce fruit for you but Jesus said don't get caught up on one of those fake vines I'm the true vine I'm the realist and my father is the husbandman every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth I get the part that every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he just takes it away, right? Because it's dead or something wrong with it there. There's no life. It's not producing any fruit. So the husbandman chops it off. I'm cool with that. But then that next part that we just read, he said, and every branch that beareth fruit, these are the ones that are bearing fruit. They're doing what they're supposed to do. He purgeth them too. He chops them and cuts on them cuts little pieces off of them I'm producing fruit why am I feeling pain I'm producing fruit why is it cutting on me because through that pain and through that weakness you're going to produce more fruit if you will continue to yield and stay connected that's how it works we all go through pain. We all go through hard times. We all go through struggles. We're all humans living in a fallen world. So Jesus said, I can guarantee you. He gave us a guarantee. In this world, you will have trouble. Tribulation, trials, like stuff's going to happen. But be of good cheer. Ah, I jumped ahead. I wasn't supposed to go and say that verse yet. Even the ones that are producing fruit, they get purged that it may bring forth more fruit. Oh, God's got a plan. Romans 8:28 tells us that God works together all works all things together for our good. to produce more fruit. Now you're clean. You're not stagnant or toxic. Through the word which I've spoken unto you, through the word, through the seeds, through his Voice, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye except ye abide in me I am the vine and you are the branches and he that abideth abideth that abide abideth it is to live dwell stay to settle down or to be at home Jesus said I want you to get so comfortable with me so comfortable being connected to me that it's like you're at home. It's like your go-to pattern. It's where you feel comfortable is when you're connected to me. And even if you're getting pruned or cut or hurt, that you still feel at home. It's where you're settled down. You have peace. Abideth in me and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. Your life will be fruitful. For without me you can do nothing. And for a long time I I didn't understand that last part right there for me with for without me you can do nothing because I think I can do a lot of things without him. Want me to show you? There are a lot of things I can do without God or without Jesus. But what he meant there is it doesn't notice it doesn't say you can't do anything. It says without me you can do nothing. So all the things that you're gonna do without him, it'll amount to nothing. Right? In the end it'll all rot and rust and burn up and blow away and disappear, and it won't make a difference. It won't leave a lasting mark, a spiritual thumbprint. Without me you can do nothing, Jesus said got to be connected if you want to live a fruitful life. Wait, so so on this faith journey, I'm going to have limbs cut off? Wait, on a faith journey where I'm obeying God and doing what He called me to do, I'm going to still experience loss? Yeah. I'm still going to have family members die? Yep. Like that's still going to happen just because you're on a Faith walk doesn't mean you're exempt from pain or hard times or hurt. But he promised he would be with us. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. See, I skipped ahead and told that one a minute ago. (laughs) But I've overcome the world, and I'm with you. He said, you don't have to be afraid, because I already beat it, and I'm with you, and I'm going to walk through it with you. Just keep walking, son. Keep walking, daughter. See, when we think of the faith walk, I started thinking about when I was thinking of walking and and I I felt like God said, you know, that word, keep walking to somebody. And so I'm thinking, yeah, faith walk. What's a good example I could use of a faith walk? And I'm thinking... Yeah, like Peter walking on the water or there's a lot of good faith walks that we could talk about, you know. It took a lot of faith to step out and and to walk on the water or You could think of all different ones. Good faith walks. But I want to look at a different kind of walk as we close today. It's probably not what you were thinking. Genesis 32 verse 24 y'all remember Jacob one of the fathers of our faith he got his name changed from Jacob to Israel twelve tribes of Israel came out of him Jacob was born remember he was Jacob means the heel grabber or the deceiver Um, he tricked his brother out of the birthright tricked his dad and did some kind of shady stuff, but he wanted a blessing. He wouldn't give up. He had some good qualities that God had placed in him too. And and their dad died and he got scared for his life because of all the things he had done, the wrong things he had done. and felt like he had wronged his brother and like his brother was going to kill him and his brother was a tough guy and he was a mama's boy, so he ran away. Ran off and he found this pretty pretty girl that he wanted to marry and he went and talked to her dad and her dad said yeah but you'll have to pay you got to work for me for 7 years and so he worked hard faithfully he worked for 7 years and on the wedding night dad gave him the ugly sister tricked him so then he went back to the dad and said hey you lied that's not the one i was going to marry and dad said too late you could go ahead and start having kids with her now if you want to marry Rachel you got to work for 7 more years This Joker worked seven more years, and he started building a life and a family, and had a bunch of kids. But he knew he wasn't living at home. He knew that God had called him to live in, you know, what we call the Promised Land, back at home. That he was supposed to go home, and he knew there was a problem with his brother. He knew that his brother hated him, that the rest of his family was cut off, that there was this this big problem. And even though he had all these he was getting rich and he was his flocks were growing and God gave him a plan to get all the spotted animals could be his and the solid colored animals would be his father in law's and go read about it. It's crazy the story of his life. But everything was growing and and there's this thing nagging in the back of his mind like everything's not okay. I'm not living at home. Everything's not okay with my family, my connections, the place. And so he decides to head out and go back. He's on mission. He's on purpose. And so he obeys God where God wanted him to go and go back and, and take his 12 sons like it was part of the plan. It was what was supposed to happen. So he took off on a faith walk, following God, doing what God told him to do. Let's jump in this story. They're on the way. They haven't met up with his brother yet. But Jacob stayed behind by himself and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. They wrestled all night long. There was just a dude there that jumped on him and started fighting him. And he started fighting back. And 30 minutes in... They were out of breath, but he wasn't going to give up. He wasn't going to tap out. He was going to keep fighting. Didn't even know who this guy was. An hour in, they were still fighting. Four hours in, they're rolling around the creek bed, smacking each other, punching each other, twisting each other's arms, wrestling. They wrestled all night long till the sun started coming up. Oh, well, Jacob must have had some pretty good cardio. I don't know anybody that could wrestle all night long. But they were still fighting. They were still wrestling. They were still rolling around. He would not give up. And when the man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled, or when the man saw that he wouldn't give up, he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint. Cheater. When he saw that he couldn't beat him, that he couldn't make him tap or give up, he threw his hip out of joint. The man said, Let me go. It's daybreak. Jacob's in pain, his hips out of socket, out of joint, and he still won't let him go. He's like, Let me go. It's daybreak. And Jacob said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. How many times have you quit before you got the blessing? How many times have you walked through something hard and then you just stopped because it got too hard and you never got the blessing, you never saw the fruit out of it, you just got all the fertilizer. And then before you ever got the blessing, before you ever received the fruit out of it, you quit. You stopped. Well, you said that counseling would probably help my marriage and we went one time and it didn't. You keep going, right? You can't. He wouldn't give up. He said, nah, I'm not letting go. It's hurting right now. I'm in pain. Yeah, of course. You just knocked my hip out of socket. I'm not happy. I'm not comfortable in this situation. But I'm not letting go, right? Because I have a promise that I'm going to be blessed and my kids are going to be blessed. And I'm going to get fruit out of this situation. I'm not letting go. And the man said, what's your name? Like he didn't even know who he jumped on last night. Man, who are you? What's your name? And he answered, Jacob. And the man said, but no longer. Your name's no longer Jacob. For now it is Israel, God wrestler. You've wrestled with God and you've come through. Jacob asked, and what's your name? Well, now they're just... And the man said, Why do you want to know my name? And then, right then, and there, he blessed him. And Jacob named the place Peniel, God's face, because he said, I saw God face to face, and I lived to tell the story. A lot of scholars say that this was Jesus, because it calls him a man at the start and then he said that he saw God face to face so some believe it was an angel but how Jacob named the place and he said I saw God face to face so a lot of people believe it was Jesus the God man before he was ever born but either way an angel God Jesus and the sun came up as he left Peniel look here's what we were getting to limping because of his hip He left Peniel limping because of his hip. This is why Israelites to this day don't eat the hip muscle. Because Jacob's hip was thrown out of joint. As soon as it ends, you look at the next line in the scripture, it jumps to the next chapter and, and he takes off. Start telling him I'm going to split up my wives. And here comes my brother with 400 men. He's back on purpose. He's back on mission. He kept on walking. As soon as his son came up, he got his blessing. He kept on walking. And we just read right there, he was limping. He was hurt. He limped on. Uh-oh, here comes my brother. Now, I was already scared that he was going to be able to kick my butt. He's got 400 men. I got 12 sons here and, you know, some wives and, Herds and stuff like I can't even fight him. I was already scared, and now I can't even run. Now I'm limping. But he didn't run away, he didn't turn and hide, he didn't stop and stay right there. He kept on walking, he kept on moving forward, wounded, he kept on pushing. You ever feel like you've been in a wrestling match with God? I have. I've felt like that. I really? What's going on here? How's all this happening? He kept on walking. I think it's easier to walk on water than it is to walk wounded. To walk with a limp. I I mean the first story I mentioned of Peter walking on the water, guess what? When you do a big, powerful, faith, miraculous faith walk, it's on God. You can't do it anyways. Right? When you step out, if you sink, you sink. You can't. I've tried it a bunch of times and it ain't worked for me yet. That's on God. But when you choose to walk wounded and keep walking forward, even though you're hurting that's on you that's obedience that's faith when you choose to walk wounded so to me a faith walk it looks more like this I'm not going to stop because I'm feeling some pain and I'm not going to let go till you bless me you said you'd work all things together for my good so I won't give up and I won't quit until I see it. I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm going to keep on going. Sometimes you got to walk wounded. You know, we can get all kinds of wounds in life. There's all kinds of wounds. There's, there's self-inflicted wounds stuff we did stupid stuff we did sin we chose there's there's a lot of self-inflicted wounds there's also the they hurt me kind of wounds the stuff that other people did that hurt us other people did that wounded us the guy jumped on me and popped my hip out of socket just cuz I was good at wrestling Right, it's, it's stuff that other people did. It's abuse, it's pain, it's stuff that that we didn't deserve. Maybe we did deserve, maybe we didn't deserve. Something that somebody else did. The other kind of wounds is I just wrote down life hurts. Cuz there's some things it's nobody's fault. Nobody did it. Stuff just happens and it hurts. And there's loss and there's pain and you feel like something was ripped away from you or purged off of you, pruned off of you, however you want to say it, there's loss, there's hurt, there's pain, you feel wounded and there's nobody to blame. You want somebody to blame. We look for somebody to blame, but sometimes we just get wounded by life. By living this life, we can be wounded. Psalm 35, 19. David said this. Many are the afflictions. That word translated afflictions is tortures. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Uh, so God will deliver you out of them all. That word afflictions... It's a Hebrew word for an Assyrian form of torture where they would tie you to a post and they would stack rocks on you one at a time until it was so much weight and pressure that your body would collapse and your bones and ribs and stuff would start collapsing until you died. One rock, another rock, another rock. How long would that take for really strong people? It took even longer. Rock after rock after rock. Many are the tortures of the righteous. You ever felt like that? Man, I can't handle one more thing. One more thing's going to crush me. I'm overwhelmed. Anxiety, depression, I, I can't take one more thing. Does that mean he gets me out of everything? Right? If I'm one of the righteous, does that mean God's going to rescue me out of every situation and moment and every torture and every rock that he's going to just throw all the rocks off of me? No. It means he's with you in everything. When Skye was little, he used to get scared when he was a little kid and you put him in his bedroom by himself and you turn out the lights and some nights he would get scared but guess what if I walked in his room or if Jesse went in the room if I went and just stood in his room he was no longer scared at all the fear was gone nothing changed in the room there was still a monster under the bed There was still whatever it was that you were afraid of, right? But because of the presence of something greater than the fear, because of the presence of a father that you trusted, the fear was gone. And you're still in the same situation. You're still walking through the same thing. You still have to go to sleep. But he said, I'm with you. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll be with you. You know, if Scott didn't know I was there, if I just snuck in and stood in the corner of his room, he'd still be scared. And if he caught a glimpse of me or my shadow, it might scare him worse. You need to know that God's with you. He's not going to leave you. He's there with you. He's there. So I know you're wounded. I know sometimes life hurts. I know you hurt yourself and I know other people hurt you and I'm not taking away from your pain or from you being wounded. I know. Me too. I'm there too. But look how Paul looked at it and we're done. Last scripture. You know, Paul was a pretty bad dude. You don't just go from Arresting and killing Christians to now God knocked me off the donkey and called me, and now I'm just going to write the Bible and go around preaching and speaking and planting churches. You know, it wasn't that simple. He was hated. It took years for him to build trust. And Look what Paul says. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, And so I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap. Yay, thank you. A handicap. Could we say a limp? A wound? A handicap? To keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Yes, thank you, God. I don't even ever pray that. Hey, God, it's me, Dusty. Would you just keep me in constant touch with my limitations? Thank you. I don't even even pray that. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. But what he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around all high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift. My perspective was off. My focus was off. See, at first, I just thought of it as pain. I I thought of it as heartache. I thought of it as hard times. At, At first, I didn't see it as a gift, Paul said. And I begged God to remove it. God, remove it. God, fix this situation. God, take away the pain. God, punish them for hurting me. God, make it right. God, remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, My grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. God's like, I'm going to work through you. But my strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. What? You glad to? I just kept walking, chasing my purpose, writing letters to the churches, preaching, reaching people, talking about Jesus, doing what I'm called to do with a limp. I had a handicap. I was wounded. I got things that slowed me down. I got half the church hating me. I got the Jews trying to get me stoned and killed. And guess what? I'm going to keep walking towards purpose. I'm going to keep limping on, even with this handicap. And I don't even look at it as a bad thing anymore. See, I changed my focus. I changed my perspective. He, He says right here, I quit focusing on the handicap. And I began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. It doesn't matter. And Paul said, It's okay. I change my focus. All this stuff can happen, abuse and accidents and opposition and stuff that I can't control and stuff that I can control and this thorn in my flesh like all this stuff like I changed the way I look at it. And now the weaker I get, the stronger he gets in me. The more he works through me. I just let Christ take over. In my weakness, not in spite of my weakness. In my weakness. Your strength lies in your weakness. Therefore, you are enough. That's hard. That's hard to wrap your mind around. But my hip, right? But my marriage, but my addiction, but my pain, but my abuse, but my divorce, but my, and I mean, we can all run down probably multiple lists. I got a limp. That's okay. In fact, the area that you have seen as weakness is where he wants to flow through. That's where his strength will be made evident. Is in you. So instead of looking at it, you know, King James words, that scripture we just read, I'm sure you've heard it. There's a thorn, right? He called it a thorn that he was asking God to remove until he realized that God's strength flows through that thorn. So... In Bible study, we were talking about it and it it popped in my head that what if we could change our view, our perspective of from that being a thorn to it being an IV of God's power, right? And that's how he's going to get us what we need. That's how he's getting us the strength to work in us and through us. Instead of seeing it as a bad thing, like Paul said, if we could change our focus and say, man, mm, that hurt, God, that hurt. Now I'm going to keep on walking. Old leg's not working anymore, but I'm going to keep on. I'm going to walk wounded. And that's a bigger picture of faith than stepping out the boat for a minute. To be able to keep on walking when we don't understand. I can show it to you through David's life and Paul's life and Peter's life and on and on and on it goes. We could look through you know if we had five hours we could probably keep pulling up different Bible stories to show you but more times than not we got to walk wounded. Oh, we keep walking. We keep stepping. More times than not it's a limp it's a wounded walk it's not a walk on water it's not a miraculous miracle moment every moment it's taking another step because you trust the voice the voice of the Holy Spirit that's taking you by the hand and is leading you and guiding you into purpose maybe you're not as fast as you used to be That's okay. Because when you were real fast, you might have took it on yourself. Or you might have ran away when God was trying to restore things with your brother. Even Jesus, when he came back from the cross, remember he showed them his scars. He kept them. Even with his new glorified body, he still kept his scars. So they could see a picture of his greatest pain because it became a picture of the greatest story of redemption to ever play out. Keep walking. Don't let go. Don't give up. Keep pressing. God, thank you. God, we thank you for speaking to us. We thank you that you meet us where we are. And we thank you for thoughts and scriptures and for worship and for the still small voice of your spirit. That you get through to us. God, we're going to grab hold of some life today. And we're going to protect it. We're going to make sure that it gets some roots in the ground because we want to see a harvest. We want to live a fruitful life. So we're going to dig in even when it's hard. We're going to keep walking even if we get wounded or injured. And we're going to change our perspective and our focus. So God, we give you permission today to light up the dark spaces in our hearts and our minds. We trust you. We love you. And we believe what you said is true. In Jesus' name, amen.